Hi, friends. It's Rachel from Candid Catholic Convos. And before we jump into today's episode, I just want to thank you for listening. Being able to minister to you in this way over the airwaves, wherever you're listening, has been such a joy for me, and I hope to be able to continue to do so long into the future. Because of your generous donations to the Catholic Communications Campaign over the years, we were able to produce and distribute more than 80 videos, 100 radio and podcast episodes, and over 1,000 social media messages last year, all spreading the love of Christ. That's huge. So if you found value in these ministries over the years, please consider supporting this year's Catholic Communications Campaign at hbgdiocese.org slash ccc, or by dropping your donation in the collection basket at Mass on June 18th, so we can continue to provide services across the diocese for everyone to enjoy. Now, let's get right to it. Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Candid Catholic Convos. It's fitting that we're talking about this on Father's Day. Has anyone else noticed an increase in stories of families with young children feeling like they aren't welcome in their own parish? Picture this with me for a minute. It's Sunday morning, the pews are filling up, mass is starting, and in the back of the church, out of tune and offbeat, you hear a toddler wailing, followed by the immediate shushing of a parent and the dropping of a few hymnals from a preschooler. You try not to stare, but it's hard not to. The priest is doing his thing and you're trying to pay attention, but you can see this little family struggling. Eventually, they get up and shuffle off to the narthex where, behind closed doors, you see the same toddler playing on the floor, their cries mostly muffled, and their mother lets out a deep sigh of defeat. You've just witnessed a millisecond of that parent's day. The rest of it was probably filled with similar antics, but in the comfort and privacy of their own home. Does this sound familiar? Maybe you've seen it? Maybe it's been you. For the record, that's me, nearly every time I take my circus of a family to Mass. It can be defeating to feel all those eyes on you, silently judging, making you feel like a burden because your child can't sit still, they're loudly complaining how long Mass is, and then feeling exiled to the narthex so your family doesn't disturb others. It makes sense that you'd rather not go because your children are unpredictable, right? But didn't Jesus say, let the little children come to me? I get it. Christian parenting is hard. It's not just the sleepless nights or the early mornings or the coffee that's been reheated 17 times because you forgot to drink it. It's patching up boo-boos and watching them learn to trust and sending them off to school. 
It's an incredible roller coaster of emotions on a minute by minute basis. And somewhere in there, we need to introduce them to Jesus to show them the way of our faith and to teach them how to be children of God. I often find myself wringing my hands while praying to Mary. How? How did you do this? How can I be more like you? I'm sure as a baby, Jesus cried or spat up, probably broke his best pair of sandals on more than one occasion, or dirtied his clothes right before a big event. I mean, it's even documented that he took off without telling her to go preach in the temple, and he was barely a teenager. And he didn't have access to a cell phone or video games or he ever got behind the wheel of a car. So what hope is there for parents trying to raise little disciples, little saints, in today's society? To help answer this, I've asked fathers Tim and Kyle Saad, brothers in a family with not one, not two, but three priestly vocations, to give me some practical 21st century tips on how to encourage Catholic families living in today's society. Hold up, stop. You guys look very similar. I mean, I know you're brothers, but are you twins? Yeah. No way. Yes. That is cool. That is very cool. And I, it would really surprise me if you said your other brother, who's also a priest, is like the third of a set of triplets. He's oh, not. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no way he would claim that. No. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you, Rachel. Tell me a little bit about yourselves, how, you know, how you found your vocation, what, what kind of led you to, to want to be a priest? Well, I often thought that uh, in first and uh, second grade and sixth grade, as uh, Tim and I were both confirmed in sixth grade, that uh, the priesthood often, you know, it came through my memory, but uh, it was only really after uh, college and while I was teaching at York Catholic that, uh, you know, I realized that I loved teaching, but maybe the Lord was calling me to something else. You know, uh, Tim and I uh, both uh, grew up in Columbia, Pennsylvania, in Lancaster County. And we went to Holy Trinity uh, Catholic Church and school. And um, we also attended uh, Lancaster Catholic. Then after Lancaster Catholic, I went to Bloomsburg University and got a uh, degree in secondary education uh, social studies. So I taught at York Catholic for a number of years, seven years before entering seminary. But uh, we're one of, uh, Tim and I are one of uh, four. Uh, siblings. And uh, and so, you know, we grew up in a very, very good house, mom and a dad and uh, four brothers. And so, um, you know, it was a very, very good house. We uh, They taught us how to pray, you know, uh, there, mealtime prayers, uh, bedtime prayers. But I was going to say, it's not like we were, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt in your story, Kyle. Um, That's okay. Father. Uh, but uh, you know, it's not like we were like um, uh, like holy rollers. I would say it's not like we were families. A lot of families do awesome things, like they pray the rosary together every night, or, or you know, we didn't really do that. 
we were really just involved in the life of the church. Uh, and obviously we prayed. And with our grandmother, she would take us to daily mass. I think uh, when we slept over at her house, she'd get us up at like 530 in the morning to go to mass. And, you know, I, I don't think it we wasn't that her. early, Tim. Well, well, he's he's my fact checker, just just so everyone knows. Uh, he always says that I expand the truth a little bit. and I probably do. But um, uh, yeah, she would get us up early and I don't think we enjoyed that. But we loved going to mass with her and then going out to breakfast with the ladies, uh, her lady friends. And they'd only tip like 25 cents or 10 cents. Um, so we were horrified by that. But like it was growing up, just living in the life of the church with prayer that we I, I can speak for myself. And I know my brother can, too, that it, that was the um, we had joy. We saw joy in the in the parish life um, with our parents, um, with our grandmother, especially. I know I can say that I'm sure. Kyle can too, with the priests that we had, um, the priests who were there, you know, um, the awesome role models that they were, and they were all different, you know, some of them, some of them were a little rough around the edges, and some of them were, were just joyful, um, but all of them, like, took interest in families, took interest in us, and so, like, we had an introduction to the church that was really good, even if it was not perfect. So, um, and there was joy there. So I can, I can say for me, that was where I kind of first thought of the church. And I think Kyle too, in our family and in the life of the parish. Yeah. And I would have to agree with uh, Tim that, uh, you know, we didn't do a lot of prayer at home outside of mealtime prayer and uh, bedtime prayer, but you know, the church, we were always encouraged to help out with uh, Christmas decorating uh, we were a part of the Holy Name Society. Dad would go, and he would bring us, and we would sit there and listen to the, you know, listen to the meeting. We couldn't say anything because we were too young, you know. And Grandma, of course, you know, she would always be willing to take us to Mass, daily Mass, and pray in the Rosary beforehand, and then after Mass, pray in the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So, and also, uh, but at the, you know, in the home it was really revolved around the life of the church, you know, and uh, being, um, you know, always around the church or, you know, serving mass for funerals during the summer, you know, the sister would call us, et cetera. So, you know, we were always around uh, the life of the church, which was always so very good. But as Tim said, we weren't, uh, you know, uh, we didn't do that much in the home outside of uh, the, the prayers before meals and uh, bedtime prayers. Outside of getting yelled at, things like that. Yeah. We got normal we normal got boy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And that, that brings back some memories because I remember staying over at my grandmother's house. And like, if we stayed over on a Saturday night, then Sunday morning, we were like absolutely getting up, going to mass, sitting in the first pew too. So I love, and I love that the way you described it is because um, I feel like some, especially nowadays with the influence of uh, Catholic social media influencers, that they make it like, like you have to be perfect. Like you have to be doing all these things to influence your children. And I love what you guys said about how it's, it's experiencing the family aspect of the church and doing things as a family. Like we used to go to the parish picnics, help out with the parish picnics, or my mom used to volunteer to wash the linens that they used on the chalices um, because lipstick stains would always cause a problem 
would you would you say it's fair to say that the what influenced you most was just the family dynamic and the family influence uh as it relates to the catholic church yeah absolutely i think i think for and this is father tim sod i think um that our family's involvement and our mom and dad's push to kind of get us involved in the parish so like they wanted us to live our life as catholics but maybe they didn't uh, maybe my mama always is always saying she was Lutheran and she converted when um, she married my dad. And she's, you know, she always has a ton of questions and my dad has a ton of questions. I think maybe they thought, well, we don't know how to perfectly do this. So let's just get involved in the church, have them do the to help around the, the church whenever there's need. And, and we always got like shoved over there to do stuff. And I, I was so grateful that we did because we enjoyed it. We actually loved it. And we got to know other people, um, older people, younger people. And, um, but it, if it wasn't for our parents just doing that, and like like we said, they they weren't exactly like um, Saint Anne, and you know, and, and, you know, and uh, you know, it was just or like Zelly Martin and all them. Yeah, which is which is wonderful, which is beautiful. But not every family is that. But you know, the the parish should be the place where that happens and helps families do that. As a pastor, I, I know that's what my goal is, but. I think that's what it was for us. And our parents just kind of directed us there. And we were lucky that they were kind of plugged in there too. Yeah, and every family is different. You know, every family has different backgrounds. And, uh, you know, and so I think we just need to encourage in any way possible. You know, many, you know, some families are very learned and some families uh, pray the rosary every day. And that's so very beautiful, you know, and we don't want to deny that in the least, you know, and some families, um, you know, so. I think it's just every family is different, but I think just an encouragement in the life of the church is what brought me to the faith. You know, it brought me to a deeper relationship with God. It is through my involvement in the life of the church, you know, but everybody comes at a different angle, you know, and I think we need to respect it. And I think we need to, you know, encourage any way possible. Absolutely. That's it's very important because everybody everybody experiences it in a different way. So it's about bringing your own personal background into it. Speaking of background, you it sounds like you both didn't start, like you didn't graduate college and immediately go into seminary. Did you both have careers ahead of time? And what what kind of directed you towards the vocation of becoming a priest? Did, did your childhood and your upbringing in the church have any influence over that? Or what What would you say guided you back to this vocation? I think what guided me, uh, this is Father Kyle Saad, I think what guided me uh, to be formed and uh, to, to the priesthood is truly all of that, you know, all of that which we just spoke about, the life about uh, our parents, helping us, to encouraging us to get involved in the life of the parish, uh, our relationship with uh, our parents and grandma, and also really our uh, teacher in elementary school, Sister Anna. She was truly, she taught us very at a very early age about the church, saints, our Blessed Mother, you know, she taught us how to pray different prayers. Um, and also she encouraged that to take it home into the life of the family as well. And so she really encouraged me in my vocation very early on. 
uh, I thought about um, a priesthood in second grade whenever I received Holy Communion, and then again in sixth grade when I received Confirmation. But it really didn't come until after I was teaching at York Catholic that uh, God was really uh, drawing me to a deeper relationship with him, even though I loved teaching. For me, it was, um, and I agree, Sister Anna, um, she was wonderful. Uh, just this weekend, Father Rich Groff was ordained a priest, and he had his Mass of Thanksgiving at our home parish. He's from our, he's from Holy Trinity in Columbia, too. And he said, Sister Anna, she, she's responsible for a lot of priests who are here today, and, and I agree a whole uh, a lot about that. She's, she's, no priest is responsible for the faith in Columbia more than Sister is. I would say for me, um, after college, I worked in Washington as a political writer and analyst for 10, nine years. And, and I loved that. I loved covering politics. I loved analyzing politics. And I loved, frankly, I love Washington, D.C. It's an awesome city. It's, it's not a big city. It's a bunch of small towns. And so I really enjoyed that. It wasn't intimidating to me. But after I was there for nine years, I just thought, I love this, but just something I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It just doesn't feel right. Not that I didn't like it again. I was joyful there. I was happy there, but I just, what's what? something else? I should be doing something else. I know what I should do. I should go back and work in our family business. And we have a family business in Columbia. It's a scrapyard. Um, and our family has run it since the mid, uh, the early 1940s. So um, I thought, I'll do that. You know, we can provide, have a family be able to provide for it. Uh, by working there and, you know, work with my family. And I loved that. I worked there for a couple of years and went back and bought a house in Lancaster and worked in our family business. And I really enjoyed that. But again, after a couple of years, I thought I, something just doesn't feel right. Not that I don't enjoy this, but I just feel like I'm called to something else. And I never really asked God what he made me for until that point, because I kind of felt helpless. Um, and I felt a call to the priesthood. And I'll tell you, being with my brother and seeing how my brother Kyle enjoyed the seminary life and with the classmates that he had, I, I remember particularly Father Kevin Coyle, but if I, I just remember the priest that he was uh, studying to be a priest or a seminarian who he was studying to be a priest with, I understood that you could be a normal person and have normal likes, dislikes, joys, weaknesses, whatever. And that really appealed to me too. So a combination of all of that, not understanding, uh, not not really following the path that I always thought would make me happy and it didn't fulfill me, whether it was working in DC or working back in our family business, and then seeing how my brother and his friends lived as seminarians studying for the priesthood really made me, all of that together, really helped come to the decision and then finally opening up and listening to what God had planned for me. It really, I went into the seminary and I felt joy. I honestly, I can say this. I felt joy immediately in the vocation from that point. Now, not every day is joyful. Not every day is happy, but I can say that I feel fulfilled in a way that I never did in any other previous job that I always thought I was made for. Yeah. And, um, as Tim was saying, uh, in addition to, uh, you know, the life there in the seminary, in 2001, our brother Chris was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Scranton. And I remember that ordination day. I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget it. It was because that day, I remember uh, being very emotional and crying throughout the entire ordination mass. Yes, yeah, so did I. And I didn't know why 
until after. And I was, oh my gosh, maybe the Lord is calling me to be a priest. You know, seeing the joy that our brother Chris had uh, on the day of his ordination, I think really also helped me too understand that maybe the Lord is calling me to be a priest. So, I've forgotten completely about that, but you're exactly right, Kyle. That was so strange. And the way I think we both, I mean, we were both adults at that point. <laughs> we yeah. were both working. And and I was just, I was kind of thrown off by it, but that's exactly right. Yeah. And I I wasn't sad. No. And I couldn't, I couldn't express why I was crying. You know, I, I was confused about it myself, but then I realized maybe the Lord is calling me. That's really beautiful. I love that it wasn't like an instantaneous thing. Like you guys tried other things and, and you were just like, something just doesn't feel right. And then it brings you back to that moment of the, like that moment at your brother's ordination of like, this is seeing how happy he is and like how beautiful of a moment that is. It's just like, I love that God just, he doesn't actually like shove us towards anything, but he will drop some serious hints. And then when we pick up on those hints is when like puzzle pieces just come together. And I think that that is absolutely awesome. I think that. that and I think you're thing. right. Uh, you're right, Rachel. And I think we need to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and uh, ask the Lord to give us direction, you know, whenever he gives us those hints, because he will reveal his will to us. But I think oftentimes we don't realize that he, he is revealing his will to us in those small little moments, and they can quickly pass and we never think about them again. But um, you're right. He always he always asks, he always gives us uh, his will for us in those small little moments, but we need to connect the dots, but we need his help to connect the dots, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. His help, the Holy Spirit, we need that whole team. It's a team effort. <laughs> I love that you guys talked about how your family got you really involved um, in church. And some of the things that I struggle with as a parent is that the Catholic faith is built upon some pretty heavy concepts. I mean, the crucifix alone is a, is a beautifully heavy concept that many adults even have trouble grasping. So how do we introduce the Catholic faith in a way that kids can understand or um, better yet, how can we respond to questions that we don't have the answers to? I think before we show, like people have a ton of questions and I'm not, I'm not dismissing, I'm, I'm not writing off the fact that we answer them, but I think before we show, um, before we get to the head, you have to get to the heart. And I don't always think we do that. And I don't do it well. We're so well. I think the church has answers. I mean, you look at the catechism. The church has answers for, for questions. Um, but a lot of times people aren't looking. When they ask a question, they're not necessarily asking to, to they, they know the answer. I think what they're looking for is like, and Pope Francis is right on this, like, are we willing to walk with them? You know, is, is the church willing to walk with them? Are we open to like investing in relationships? Are we open to investing even people who might fall outside of what one might consider a good Catholic, you know, is there is such a thing. So I think how, how do we reach out to people? 
we let them know that we that after the model of our heavenly father that we love them and we desire to be with them and i think the church for a long time has been the building where people come but i think that time has passed i think now it's the church is the open arms but also one that goes out and lets people know that christ is inviting them no matter their circumstances for transformation and we have to especially as priests but also as lay people um especially lay people they have they have the bigger job but they're able to go to places that i can't when you go into uh, places your workplaces or your school like People need to know that Catholics are willing to have a relationship and talk and not just spit back technical answers, which we do have. I don't think I don't think it's that all the way. Um, and maybe Kyle disagrees with me. I don't think that it's an answer of, well, if they just knew the answer, they'd be Catholic. I think it's more how can we in love and after we've built a relationship, communicate the answer in a way that doesn't draw people away, but brings them closer to him. Um, because I think for too long, people think, and I don't know whose fault this is, inside or outside the church, I think people think that they can't approach the church if they're not perfect. And I think, to me, the best thing about the church is it's a, it's a place for the imperfect to be made perfect. But you have to, we have to be open to that. Um, so I think, to me, that's young or old. Are we willing to take the time to invest in relationships so that we can we can walk with them, letting them know that we too suffer from the same things that maybe they do? I think uh, you know I agree. I think we need to be loving toward them and to walk with them. But what is law? Love, but um, compassion, but truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a way to walk with people encouraging transformation encouraging conversion and uh because why else would we follow christ if we didn't desire conversion you know and so i think we need to talk about the joy of following christ you know in the midst of its struggles and be able to you know walk with them even if it's going to be a long time you know, oftentimes, you know, you'll see people at mass and I do this too. You know, you see people at mass and you wave to them and you say, you know, uh, we'll see you next week. Well, you didn't build a relationship with them. You know, the Lord is asking all of us to have an encounter with others, you know, to share our joy with others. And so I think uh, Tim is right. You know, it's all about relationship because relationship, we have a relationship with Christ you know, ultimately. And if we don't have a relationship with others, how can we experience the relationship that Christ desires us to have with him? Yeah. And I think, and I just think in the world, how do you reach out? And I think everyone, every Catholic has to use what they were built with. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of go enjoy or, or laughter or something, you know, um, to bring to the truth. And everyone else has a different, my brother's a great teacher. I think we have to just use different, however we were built with, whatever is authentic for us, to bring that those those people into relationships um, in that way. And I, God gives us the gifts, you know. He gives us the gifts, you know. 
I mean, I wasn't a very good public speaker before I was ordained. You know, I mean, I was afraid to stand up in front of a group of people and talk, you know, but it's God who gives me the grace to be able to do that. You know, am I still nervous? Sure. But God gives me the grace, you know, and he gives us the gifts that we need to witness to him. And so I think that's another thing I think we just need to pray about. Heavenly Father, what are the gifts that you have given to me to witness to your son and the truth that comes from him? Yes, absolutely. I had interviewed a spiritual director um, a couple of times a little while ago, and he he would say, we are the hands and feet of Christ. And Christ is all around us, but physically we can go and give somebody a hug. Physically, we can go let somebody know that we're thinking about them. And that's how we show Christ's love and invite them to the church that acts more like a hospital than a museum. You know what I mean? So like, you, you're you absolutely right. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to show people that we're not perfect and we can be made perfect through God. I love that. Yeah, that's to me, it's, it's so that people don't know that this is not a building for the perfect, mm-hmm. but that it's a place where all of us know that we are broken and all of us have weaknesses, but that in his sight, he desires us to be him, to be with him. And he does the work as long as we have the humility to acknowledge that we are not perfect. I think that's part of the problem. We, we, I think we feel like we have to be perfect or that we are one way or the other. And boy, that just takes a lot of energy and just a lot of um, and it's also extremely confusing because we're not, we know it. Um, I love it that I can acknowledge that I'm not a perfect man. And yet he calls me to be a priest. Um, and I think um, to me, that's the most, that's the most freeing thing about being a Catholic. He does the work. He does the transformation. I just have to, in humility, give up um, that desire to be perfect because I know I'm not and give him all the stuff that allow him to transform me. That's a really great way to think about it. So you guys mentioned that you have, that you're one of, well, that you're two of four. Obviously you guys are probably the closest in age because you were born minutes apart. One Um, minute. (laughs) One minute. Who's older? I am. Father, (laughs) I'll start, yeah. (laughs) Minute older. (laughs) Are your older brother and younger brother Are they like several years apart from you guys? Like how far apart age-wise? So our oldest brother, Dan, is seven years older than us. And then we have an older brother, Chris. He's six years older. Dan has has a family, married and has a family, an awesome family. He just went to um, uh, his youngest graduation from Lancaster Catholic uh, this week or last week. And... um, and uh, two older kids, which are, are awesome, nieces and nephew. And then uh, my brother Chris is uh, the second oldest. He, he's a priest um, in the Melkite Rite of the Catholic Church. He's serving in Canada right now. So, Oh, wow. That must be an adventure given what's going on in Canada currently. Yeah, he's on the West Coast, though. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, he's enjoying, he's enjoying the, 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 he's not having the smog or the smoke or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, but, but having their relationship with them, like we kind of paired off, it was kind of, 
Chris and I were kind of closer and Kyle and Dan were closer. Mm. No, Chris and I fought like uh, everything. Like we couldn't, I, I don't think we could stand being around each other, but I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we, 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 we were like always together, but we were. It kind of sounds, I have three boys of my own and right. It like varies day to day, which one is close with the other one. And they're arguing over it seems ridiculous to me, to them, because they're like, they're seven and under. It's not ridiculous. It's like world changing, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an adventure. And sometimes like when we go to church, it's a circus. Um, so I often find myself in the narthex or in like one of the last pews in case I have to like rush out because somebody's having a meltdown. Um, and our church doesn't have a crying room. Um, oh. But every time I do this, I like. I just feel people's eyes glaring as we're like trying to rush out and like not disturb anybody. And I'm sure I'm not alone with other parents when I say that I'd almost rather stay home than impose on other people's relationship with God because my kids can't sit still. Coming from a slightly larger family of of four children, pretty close in age, especially you guys being twins. What would you say to the parent or parents that feel similarly going to church that they'd almost rather not risk it because of the embarrassment of having to rush their children out because their kids can't sit still? Well, I think, um, Rachel, that's a good question because I get this almost every week. Parents come up to me and say, oh, I'm sorry. My, uh, you know, my children were, you know, running up and down the aisle or, you know, making noise in the pew or crying too loud. And I just say, thank God you were here and thank God to hear their voices and thank God that they were running, if they were running. You know, I think we need to be open as Catholics to realize that the church is a church for all in the family, you know, not for only those who can sit and be still. But, um, you know, I think, you know, if we don't hear crying and we don't see babies in the church, it's not a growing church. It's a dead church, you know, and the, and the Catholic church is a growing church. We're also, a church. we're also a church that believes in life. And so I agree a thousand percent, Co. Yeah. And so I think, you know, those who, um, you know, I think that those who are complaining that the kids are screaming, you know, don't really understand the life of the church, you know, and I think that's part of our responsibility. Um to help others realize that the importance of the life of the family, you know, and the importance of, uh, you know, just, you know, these simple little uh, things that happen in, you know, at mass, that uh, they are times for uh, welcoming families into the life of the church. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the fact of the matter is, as a mom, I'm sure, you know, you felt the eyes glaring at you. And I'm sure you felt everyone's eyes. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but I'm sure there was a few. But that's the way it is. But there is no substitute, you know, and I, and I agree a thousand percent. There's no substitute for bringing your kids to mass. If it's now, I understand. I, I know our parents, when we were little, they said that, you know, mom would, would go and then dad would bring us or, or, or dad would go and mom would go and they'd leave us at home. You know, when we were real young, um, we have we have families, they have they have the baby on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. And we've had this just recently. And they, you know, the kids are at mass on Sunday. And 
they just want to develop that um, tradition and that um, that consistency with the family. This is what we do on Sunday, and we sit up front. A lot of families want to sit up front and not in the back because the kids pay more attention up front. Um, or if you go in the cry room, you know, our cry room has a couple toys and like, which is very nice. And I know it keeps attention for the real little ones, but like, it's also a distraction. You know, they go in there, they're going to play with the toys. So the families don't want to do that. Um, so I understand there. I know it's hard for them, but it, they should know that it does not bother me. I really don't hear the the crying or the screaming, or I hear sometimes when, you know, I say, you know, um, as part of the mass and a kid will answer, is it over yet? You know, or whatever. Um, are we leaving yet? And you can hear that. And it just makes me laugh. Um, because I think there's probably some adults that are thinking the same thing, <laughs> but it's what, what's beautiful is that that's, that's life. And, you know, we have to bring, we, when we, when we lift up our hearts, we, um, a priest says, may my sacrifice and yours be acceptable to, to God, the almighty father. Like we're bringing all of our sacrifices. Those families are bringing the sacrifice of getting up, getting out the house, bringing their, their car load of stuff for that hour. They're bringing their sacrifice. I'm bringing my sacrifice. The person next to them is bringing the sacrifice of hearing the screaming, but we're all bringing the sacrifice. We're all bringing our daily life to that mass. Uh, we don't bring our perfect selves to that mass. What are, what, wh- who are we receiving if we're not being healed at that mass? We bring all of the, the junk, all of the good stuff, all of the bad stuff, and we ask for transformation, just as the bread and wine um, becomes the body and blood of Christ. We receive that body and blood of Christ, so we too are transformed. We bring all this stuff, uh, good or bad, uh, to that altar. So I... I I, I don't see, I, I encourage it. And I agree with, uh, I agree with Tim that um, I don't hear the cries of the children. So it doesn't affect me in any way uh, as I celebrate mass. That's really comforting to hear because, because I know, I mean, we obviously don't want our kids to be like super distracting, but it's comforting to hear that, that when you, when, and if you do hear it, it's, it's a sign that the church is alive. I think I read a quote. I forget, I wish I could remember who said it, but it was like, if the church isn't crying, it's dying. Mm-hmm. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And thank God my, my, even my youngest now is starting to sit a little bit more. Like I still have to bring a coloring book for him, but it's not, we, we had a bad experience once at a church that like wasn't our home church, but my oldest son was two at the time. And uh, my husband was up you know how sometimes after mass they do like somebody can come up and like talk about the organization. My husband was talking about the organization. So my two-year-old at the time, like took off down the aisle because he wanted to see daddy. And somebody, some older gentleman came up to me and he was like, that was really distracting. I was like, I don't, well, I have an infant in my arm and I couldn't capture my two-year-old. My husband's up there. Like, I don't know what you want me to do, but sorry, I won't be here next week. I'm going to go to my home church. Um, and, and you hear about that and it's disheartening, but it's, it's really comforting to know that, especially coming from a family like yours, where we practice being Catholic, we're never going to be perfect at being Catholic, but we practice and we practice often that you can make it work. And that as priests coming from a larger family, you appreciate the sacrifice that these parents are, are offering 
essentially we're offering our that little bit of sanity <laughs> up i i can fully i can fully understand how it would be so much easier to just stay at home on a sunday morning and not have to lug the entire van and their entire suitcases of things that you need when you move them i can see how it is so much easier to that is a sacrifice and and if a family wants and a family is dedicated to making it listen no priest is perfect and i'm sure there's some points where the crying just keeps going on and on and on and it's a wailing and it's a wailing and it just keeps going on i'm maybe at one point i've looked back and like can you just take him out to the narthex for a minute you know i'm sure i would have thought that in my head and you know sometimes priests don't react well and we're not perfect but i think for for the vast 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 majority 99 percent we're so grateful that they're there and Sometimes, you know, we lose our cool too, just like everybody else. Oh, of course. There's only so much wailing any human being can take. I, I, I used to think that about my brother too. He's, he cried and screamed too much, I thought. I can't remember, so I can't help you out with that, Tim. I'm sorry. Well, all I know is if we were at Mass and we did so much as look at each other, we got wrapped on the head and yelled at after mass. So I don't think once we got past the age where we understood what was going on, we did anything except sit completely still at mass because I don't think we would have made it out of there alive otherwise. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I don't think that that was even possible. I definitely remember when my brother and I had a hard time sitting still. My brother more than myself, I'd like to say anyway. I'm probably wrong. But um my mom used to sit us in like the first row and she'd be like, the priestess is watching you. The priest is watching you. You're going to be in trouble. So (laughs) what would you suggest as some best practices for raising Catholic kids? Like we talked about what, what worked for you guys. Is there anything um, that kind of stands out to you from your, your childhood or anything that you've noticed um, parishioners practicing that you're like, Oh, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Well, I think, you know, using the liturgical calendar as a guide, you know, uh, you know, you know, the saints feast days, you know, St. Patrick, you know, St. Joseph Day, you know, Um, you know, just teach a little bit about the saint. um, And then, you know, maybe for St. Joseph Day, um, you know, there's the Italian dessert that you get, you know. I always want to call them beignets, but they're not beignets. That's uh, French. Zeppelet, I think. Zeppelet. Zeppelet. Thank you. Zeppelet. You know, you get a little Zeppelet. So, you know, you learn a a little little bit about the faith, but also you have a little bit of fun with the faith, too. You know what I mean? And the same thing about St. Patrick's Day or, you know, the day, you know, go to the parish and ask, you know, what day, uh, you know, your children were baptized and then celebrate that baptism get the candle that they received uh, out, light it, and, uh, you know, have a little, like, second birthday, you know, because they are born again in the life of the church and the life of in the life of God, you know? And so, um, you know, these things, using the liturgical calendar during Advent, having the, um, you know, the Advent wreath on the table, saying the prayers, lighting the candle. I know you you're going to mention the Advent calendar. And the advent calendar, too, yeah. The chocolate behind the doors. Yeah, and open up the advent calendar, you know. All these things are ways in which we can encourage 
without really, uh, you know, telling you, okay, sit here and learn about this. You know, it's just ways in which to encourage, you know. And, and I and I agree. I think, um, like going to mass with our grandmother on a weekday, like what kid likes to do that? But I think we fell in love with the mass because we did that. And she took us out to breakfast afterwards and sometimes directly after that lunch. <laughs> but yeah. um, like she was she was she just lived her faith joyfully. And it 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 her faith left church, you know, and her joy left church. And that is what appealed to me. Um, so the joy and just like okay, uh, let's go to mass and let's have, uh, and let's go out to lunch afterwards. Let's make it an event. Like, let's make this day an event as opposed to, okay, now, and, and I know families, they're busy, um, especially if you have older kids, they're going to sports, they're going to whatever. Um, but those families that take the time, man, I can't tell you how impressed I am when you know families are going, you know, they're going to, uh, tournaments every weekend, but they're finding a place to go to mass. It's just what they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know that makes a difference in their week. You know that makes a difference in their life. Um, that inspires me. I would just say uh, also uh, the sacrament of confession. If parents go to confession and their kids see it, that is... Uh, people want to know, I, I think if you ask me, people say, well, what program can the church do to get people back to mass? I think the sacraments are the program, but especially the sacrament of confession. When kids see their parents in that way, they don't hear their confession, but they know that they're going to be humble enough. Their kids are used to getting yelled at by the perfect parent. Parents have everything figured out, but then the parents got to go into confession and acknowledge to God that they are not perfect. That changes a family. That sacrament changes people. That changes, it changed me, it changes us. Um, I think uh, the practice of confession together in a family that goes, not doesn't have to be all the time, but just that encourages it and goes and the kids know their parents go, that is, that's a game changer, I think, um, for a family and for everything. So um, I, 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 that that's for me, the sacraments as a whole, confession in particular. And I think, can you know, just continuing to pray as a family, you know, and just very simply, if it's not a whole rosary, maybe, you know, an hour, Father, three Hail Marys and a glory be, and building up, you know. Also, uh, pray for the needs in the life of the family, you know. We can do these things, you know, before meals, after meals, you know, before bedtime, you know, to just encourage. Uh, prayer to uh, our Heavenly Father, you know, and ask Him to watch over us and protect us uh, at all times. So I think just small little things, you know, in, in the life of prayer and uh, in the life of the sacraments. And, uh, you know, all these all, all these are little ways that we can encourage the faith without, um, you know, much, uh, much hardship. Or we don't know how to go about this. But just, uh, you know, do these, you know, just, you know, maybe just uh, help them with these small little ways. And that will allow them to grow their faith. That's, I mean, that's really how, I mean, you teach how you were taught. And I think that's how we were taught. Again, our family was not perfect in any regard. No. We just kind of lived in the life that the church provided. And it wasn't a ton of things. 
it wasn't a bunch of programs we did. We just lived in it. And I think that helped me. And that helped me too. Yeah. I love that. And I like, I, I really love the, the idea of your kids seeing you go to confession, like maybe not hearing what you're confessing, but definitely not <laughs> But seeing, <laughs> seeing the act of humbling yourself and saying, I messed up, I got to go confess and be forgiven. So, and then again, so that when it's time for them to receive reconciliation, that they're not intimidated by the idea of it. And I I love what Father Kyle, what you were saying about the saints, our school, they don't do a Halloween parade. They do a, an all saints day parade. So I was teaching, I, we like sat down and we picked out some saints and uh my oldest son like loves video games so i was like oh then you'll love blessed carlos acutis because he used he played a playstation 2 and then he used like all his love of technology and he did this so like we so now like that's his saint like he like he likes learning about him and like that that's who he dressed up as he got to wear his gym uniform and like carry a controller like that was an easy sell but (laughs) (laughs) but uh, i love just like making it relatable for kids and then and like you said just just showing them that like you don't you don't have to go do all the things but if you're doing the sacraments if you're living like a catholic outside if you're saying the prayers and like teaching them how to be grateful and how to pray for others then then you're doing something right you know what's amazing like if we just live our life as catholics people always say well how do we change the culture well if we just live what our church gives us, culture will change. Um, McDonald's, you know, the whole reason they started the fish sandwich, that McDonald's only had hamburgers, French fries, drink milkshakes, right? And yeah. the only reason they added to that was in Cincinnati, uh, a, a franchisee said, you know, I'm not doing any business on a Friday night in Lent. Um, what can I do? So he started... And he started making fish sandwiches. He put that on, you know, the fish fillet was born. Like Catholics, just by living their life, you know, they didn't do anything. Just by living their life transformed culture. And I think that goes to a much bigger point than just what we eat. Um, it's how we live. You know, if we just live how the church gives us, how, how, our, how, how Jesus gives us through the church, culture will change. They have to. I love that. Being the change that you want to see. That's so powerful. Father Kyle, Father Tim, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me today and, and kind of like taking the trip down memory lane and just sharing with parents that that message of, of hope that it's, you're welcome in the pews and encouraged to come to the pews. And I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much. I was hoping we'd get into pictures, baby pictures, but I guess, I guess that's that, next week. That's next, next week. week. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that on social media. <laughs> yeah. no, maybe Thank not. You. Hopefully not. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. And God bless you and your family. Thank, Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, The easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D 
A-C, and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.